Well, good morning, uh, Christ City. Bible's open. Let's read our text this morning and then pray together. Jesus says in Matthew 7, verse 12, So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Let's pray. Father, as, as one commentator put it, in light of the beautiful simplicity of our text today, the difficulty is not in knowing what it means, but in doing what it says. And I pray that we would not deceive ourselves this morning in thinking it is enough that we know what this text means. I pray, as James instructs us by the Spirit, that we would be doers of the word and not hearers only. Amen. Well, you might not have realized it, but with our look at Matthew 7, verse 12 today, we have just traveled through the main body of the Sermon on the Mount. And next week, we're in uh, the home stretch of the sermon. Many weeks ago, we heard Jesus say this in Matthew 5, 17. Do you not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets? I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. In the weeks that followed, we learned exactly what Jesus meant. Jesus made explicit for us through radical teaching, uh, through case studies, uh, just what this greater righteousness was in him. Uh, this greater righteousness that the Bible has always been pointing towards. Uh, today, then, is the, the right bookend to this long central section on greater righteousness. And in a profoundly simple way that only Jesus can pull off, in essence, he is saying, listen, everything I have talked to you about to this point can be summarized like this. Whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. This, Jesus says, is the law and the prophets. Now the joy of having one verse this morning is that we can stop and linger. We can meditate. Uh, this morning is not a sprint. It's not a drive-by. It's a linger. And so here's how I want to outline that linger in this one verse for us. Point number one is I can't do this. Point number two is you can do this. And point number three is now do it. I can't do this. You can do this. And point three, now do it. So point number one, I can't do this. It's hard to say what would have been more discouraging. If Jesus would have described the law and the prophets through an exhaustive description of how the Torah, the law, applies in every situation, or what we have before us this morning, the law and the prophets summarized in one piercing, searching sentence. Some would say, and maybe you're of this thinking, some would say, clearly, an exhaustive list of laws and prescribed responses would have been more discouraging. The Torah summarized in one sentence is freeing, liberating, less oppressive, less demanding. And yet, and yet, if you've ever meditated on what it would truly mean to obey Jesus's command here, you know that in many ways, in many ways, this so-called golden rule is much more searching, much more thorough. This thoroughness can be seen in a number of ways. First, this, truly think about, truly think about what Jesus is saying. Our passage read, 
whatever. Whatever. Some translations say, in everything. In everything you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. Keeping in step with the rest of the sermon, Jesus wants us to be holy, entirely, without fracture or wavering, acting towards others in the way we would want to be acted towards ourselves. So that means in your working, in your job, doing to others as you would want done to you. In your parenting, doing to your children as you would want done to you. Uh, In your giving, giving to others as you would want given to you. In, In your marriage, treating your spouse as you yourself would want to be treated. Even in your thinking, thinking thoughts of others that you would hope they were thinking about you. In everything, Jesus said. Think about that for a second. Linger there with me for a second. Whatever you wish, in every situation, in every way. Second, consider how Jesus' version of the golden rule stacks up against other similar sayings throughout history. Many of you know that you can find something like the golden rule in in other uh, places. Uh, Confucius is believed to have said, do not to others what you would not wish done to yourself. Uh, The Stoic philosophers also had a very similar creed. But Jesus' command here is not only to not do certain things. Jesus' command, Matthew 7 verse 12, is framed in the positive. In everything Whatever you wish that others would do to you, do it positively. Do it also for them. Now, without pressing this too far, because surely the negative is also true as well, we're reminded of what now should be very familiar to us about the ethics of the Sermon on the Mount. That D.A. Carson says it this way. Here, talking about Matthew 7, verse 12. Here in this one verse, there is no permission to withdraw into a world where I offend no one, but accomplish no positive good either. The golden rule is thorough, involving every aspect of our life. And the golden rule is outward, requiring active obedience, not mere passivity. And both Both the thoroughness and the outwardness of the golden rule should cause us to cry, I can't do this. I can't do this. But point number two is you can do this. You can do this. In my elementary school uh, school growing up, there was a poster that showed how each world religion had their own version of the golden rule. Maybe you know the poster. uh, Maybe you remember it from your, your elementary school days. Now, I didn't design the poster, surprisingly, but I think uh, the poster's purpose was twofold. Uh, The first was to show us that all world religions are essentially the same. We all essentially, when you boil it down, uh, believe the same thing. The, The second thing was, in light of this, then collectively, we can all live out this shared rule and thus make the world a better place. Upon reflection, It makes sense that this poster would be in an elementary school because only a young child, 
as beautifully naive as they are, would believe that this is a rule that could be accomplished through strength of will, through rigid commitment, if we just band together. In our rare moments of honesty, not just in the church, but as humanity, we all cry, I can't do this. In fact, how many of you over the past few weeks and, and months have cried, I can't do this? Then why is point number two, you can do this? I, I want to direct us to the first word of Matthew 7, verse 12 this morning. Jesus says, so, so. Un is the Greek word there, and this word un could also be translated as therefore, therefore. And a great Bible reading practice for those of you wanting to improve on your Bible reading is to always ask when you see a therefore, what is it therefore? There you go. As we saw in our introduction, in a larger sense, the therefore connects and brings to a close this central section of the Sermon on the Mount. It has this kind of broader meaning and range. But there's also an immediate connection being made between our text this week and Matthew 7, 7 to 11 that Heath walked us through last week. A connection that actually enables us and empowers us to live out this golden rule. Empowers us to say, I can do this. Let, let me show you what I mean. As Heath showed us last week, we have a Father in heaven who, in love, gives his children good gifts when we seek him, when we ask him. Does not give us a serpent, does not give us a stone. He is a good father, a good father. And when we begin to understand our Father as this eternal fount of love, first in himself and now poured out on humanity in Jesus, and we begin to rest and abide in that love, we cannot be helped but be transformed into people who, filled to the brim with his love, pour out the love of the Trinity to others. And I think this answers one of the most obvious objections I can hear. I can hear you asking at this point that goes something like this. If I'm so focused on other people and loving and serving other people, how do I care for myself? How do, how do I make sure I'm not just rolled over on or, or, or just taken advantage of? Uh, author, pastor, Steve Fuller, I think he has some insight for us here. He writes this. Jesus does not want us to obey the golden rule by gritting our teeth and ignoring our own needs so we can care for the needs of others. He wants us to obey by first trusting all our needs to our Father in earnest prayer, resting in the fact that he is rejoicing to do us good with all his heart and soul. Then, then, trusting that God is passionately pursuing us with good, we can devote ourselves to doing good for others. And this is why, despite the promise of my elementary school poster, only Christianity, only following Jesus, can make sense of the golden rule. God has passionately pursued us with good. He has. He, he's done it. He sent his son Jesus to rescue us and save us. He is currently, right now, living inside us, sustaining us by his spirit. God has acted towards us in love. And, and no other religion, 
No other faith, no other worldview can account for the glorious way that God has acted like Christianity can. This is why later in Matthew 22, Jesus will answer a teacher of the law that the two greatest commandments in order are, are, are these. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. We love God with the love of which he's loved us. We respond with love. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Is the golden rule daunting? Yes. But you can do this. Or maybe better put, Jesus living inside of you can do this. There has been a, a breathing exercise making its way around my house these past few days in this time of being in close quarters with one another. It goes something like this. Deep inhale. I can't do this. In that moment, acknowledging our own frailty and brokenness as human beings, I can't do this. And then exhale, but Jesus can. Inhale, I can't do this. Exhale, but Jesus can. Friends, it has never been the Christian position to roll over and expect this to come easily. Expect a, a godly response to come naturally. No, we've always needed Jesus to come and live inside of us by his spirit and change us, transform us, make us new. And we participate in that absolutely, but it's only Jesus who can do that. Over time, through failure in Jesus, we can become, we can become people who more and more actively love and serve others the way we ourselves want to be loved and served. All of this, point one and point two, all logically lead us to point three, where we have to go today. Now do it. Now do it. Now do it. Thinking this week as to why we don't live out the golden rule, why, why I don't live out the golden rule, I was struck where we've been the past two weeks. I think there are two reasons why we don't actually live this out. Two reasons. The first we saw two weeks ago. First, we don't do unto others as we would wish done unto us because we are too busy judging them. We're too busy judging them. As long as that other person remains a dehumanized target of our scorn, our envy, our disgust, our unfair judgment, ultimately, you will never move towards them with the love that you yourself have received in Christ. Judgmentalism keeps us from loving people the way Jesus is calling us to in this text today. The second reason, I think it's actually perhaps even more foundational, is we don't do unto others as we would wish done unto us because we're not familiar with the love the Father has for us because we don't abide in him, because we don't carve out time to remind ourselves just whose love we, we live and move and indeed have our being in. There is, there is no earthly, there is no logical reason, there's no evolutionary reason to adhere to the golden rule. There's no reason to do it. If Jesus is not who he says he is, you should get yours you should make your own way in this world, no, no matter how that impacts other people. But when heaven invades our hearts 
and Jesus is who he says he is, we can't help but live by this golden rule, this golden principle, what one scholar called a golden vision for a life. It's also what the old Scottish preacher Thomas Chalmers uh, called the expulsive power of a new affection. When we are filled with the love of the Father and the Son and the Spirit, this kicks out all those other loves, and we begin to be controlled, indeed moved by this new love living and dwelling in us. And so I would ask us this morning, which of these two reasons prevents you from living the golden rule? Are you situated in a position of judgmentalism towards someone else in the body, someone else in your apartment building, someone else sitting beside you on the couch? Secondly, are you abiding in the love of the Father? Are you familiar, deeply acquainted with the love He has for you? Now, you might be tempted. You might be tempted to ignore Jesus' command here to love your neighbor to focus on some other commandment, some other aspect of the law, something not requiring your action, something a little bit more internal, something a little bit more personal, something a little bit less demanding. But let's remind ourselves, Jesus says, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, is the law and the prophets. There is no option in Jesus' kingdom to not love like this to not serve like this, to not care for others like this. This is not a part of the law and the prophets. It is not a footnote on the law and the prophets. Jesus says this is the law and the prophets. The whole story of God has been leading to this point, can be summarized like this. This is the story and way of being that we have been brought into in Jesus. There is no other way of being. So here's how I want us to close. I want us to close by being very practical. I want to give you an exercise for later today. I want you to make a list, either right now or later on, of three to four different contexts where you find yourself amongst other people. Now, right now, that's limited, but, but think perhaps pre-COVID. Three to four contexts where you find yourselves amongst other people. I could write down, for example, uh, the home, uh, my work, uh, the church community. Those would be three contexts for me. Now, under each of those contexts, I want you to write three ways that you would want to be treated in each of those places by other people. Maybe it's with, with mercy. Maybe it's not being judged prematurely. Maybe it's with steadfast faithfulness. Take some time. Write down three to four ways you want to be treated in each of those contexts. Whatever you wrote now under each of those headings, you now have a clear picture of how specifically Jesus is calling you to love and serve people in each of those contexts, in each of those places. Sometimes we let ourselves off the hook and say, I don't know how Jesus is calling to love and serve, uh, calling me to love and serve people at work, or love and serve people at, at home, or love and serve people at school. But how would you want to be loved and served? How would you want to be treated? That's clearly what Jesus is calling us to do right now. This is not rocket science. This is not a matter of us not understanding what Jesus is saying in Matthew 7, verse 12. This is a matter of you and I doing. This is a matter of you and I being obedient. And you and I can only do, and you and I can only be obedient if we abide.
if we're familiar with the Father's love. And when we abide in Jesus, we soon find ourselves looking at the person living in Oppenheimer Park and asking, what would I want if those were my living conditions? When we abide in Jesus, we soon find ourselves looking at our spouse and asking, how would I want to be spoken to? What would I want believed about me? How would I want to be treated in this relationship? We soon find ourselves looking at our boss, our employer, and asking, what would I want for one of my employees under me? And the best part about abiding, the best part about abiding is that we can be relentless and radical of our pursuit and love for other people regardless of their reciprocity, regardless of whether or not they ever notice our love, regardless of whether or not they ever repay the love we've shown them. We no longer need to drink from the fountain of their approval, their recognition, or their praise. We have a Father in heaven who gives good things endlessly, tirelessly to those who ask him. Let me pray. Father, we come to you this morning. And for those of us who are not abiding in you, I ask, Father, that now by your Spirit, that today and this week and this month would be a time of abiding in you. Father, we know that when we abide in you, we cannot, be, we cannot help but be moved to love for other people. Father, for those of us who are abiding in you this moment, this day, I pray, Father, you help us think creatively of who we are to love, how we are to love them. Make us a people who are not only hearers of your word, but indeed doers of your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.